Mr. Lightfriend was my grandfather, so he spoke the last time about it. Well, for the liquor, he tell me, when I grew up, he used to go sell banana and things on the train, you know, you know. I saw him used to make female come money. You know, so he go pick him chocho when the train come and he want banana and he want chocho and go sell yeah, you know. So, in the great Kendall Crush, as we are speaking about at this present time, well, him say, the night, because it's like close to night it happened. So it's like in the night when they hear the boodoo doom boom boom boof and everything turn chaos and by the time them go around and them see this scatter, people scatter, breadfruit scatter, everything mash up. My name is Sandri. You are listening to Kendall Connect, part of the Voices of Jamaica podcast series made possible by the Alpha School of Music with support from the Public Affairs Office from the U.S. Embassy in Kingston. Kendall Connect takes it to the streets so you can hear directly from residents in a small community in cool, cool Manchester called, you've guessed it, Kendall. Kendall is located in Williamsfield in Manchester, Jamaica. It is about 46 miles or 73 kilometers west of Jamaica's capital city. It takes you about 1 hour and 35 minutes to get there from downtown Kingston. Kendall is a quiet area that houses a rich history and the people are very welcoming and friendly. One of the first things I found out was that a large part of the present community was originally estate property, which isn't surprising given Jamaica's history. So, of course, I did some digging. There is a lot of information around that, a little bit too much for this podcast to get into, but I found listings dating back to 1817 and even some as far back as 1811. With the changes in parish assignments over the years, some more research would be needed to see how many of these listings actually connect to present-day Kendall. The better part of the community's history, though, is tied to a major event in 1957 the Kendall train crash. And interestingly, the property where the accident took place was actually part of an estate. That land was given to the community by the owner of the estate, and a burial ground was part of the package. The great house still sits there, and if you visit, community members are more than happy to show you around as best as they can. The part of the story I want to focus on today, though, is not the estate history. Instead, I want to focus on the event I just mentioned, the Kendall train crash of 1957. This year, 2021, marks 64 years since the tragedy, and so I visited the community to see what I could learn. At the time the crash happened, it was the second deadliest rail accident ever, and so you can understand why this event would be central to the community's story. The accident claimed several lives, caused injuries to many others, and left an indelible mark etched in the collective mind of the community. So on the way, I decided to ask people about the crash, find out what, if anything, they knew. Here are some responses. The only thing we know about the crash is that the, the, the most of Alcan workers, them want, waiting on the train to pass to have lunch. Because the train passed, like, when them see, like, 10 to 12 or 5 to 12, the train always pass. And then everybody look out for the train, can't see the train, the man might them lunch and then can't see the train come. When they hear a train crash. 
Well, I wasn't born and growing in Kendall, but recently since I came, I did a research about it. And what I heard is that they had a couple survivors, but one one male gentleman, him normally, every year when it's this time, they always have something by the Kendall camp for him. No, missionary church. And the missionary church. And before the train crash, I think his mother was praying or something like that. So basically, then growing up, and coming and living this side, basically we just hear like stories over and over, nothing more. I'm not from Kendall, but I live here for a period of time, and I heard that before the train crash, they were having fun. People went to beach, people went to parties, who went to church, or whatever, whatever, whatever. And you know, when they reached a distance and coming home, a lady was so tired to stand up, and she asked a young man to get up from the seat at the, one of the cabin door and asked him to give her the seat. And the young man did so and give her the seat. But by the time she, the, the young man to settle down, the train collide and start to derail. So my journey was a fun and very interesting one. My first stop was at a corner shop to ask directions to the community. It turns out that the person I was asking for directions was related to someone who was on board the train that fateful day. In fact, Four of the persons on that location were family members. The one I spoke to asked not to be named, but said his uncle was one of the conductors on the train. Well, I was about seven years of age at that time. My father told me that my uncle, which is Garnet Lurch, was driving the train. He told us that when he heard the train horn, blew about three or four times, signaling some distressful sort of say he suspected that something went wrong. And then he, then in the morning he heard earlier in the night that there was a train crash down by Kendall. We were living about a mile and a half from where this happened. He went down there. Well, he was unable to find his brother at that time. It was a crash and, um, uh, I, 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 what, what I did know in the morning when we got up, we saw trucks, like the parish council truck, which one of our neighbors was the driver of one of those trucks. The name is Lyndall Walters. His truck was transport, transporting the dead bodies to the Mandeville Hospital. So we, we was at the gate watching such situation. We did not go to school that morning because it was sort of scary. We always... As a child, you know, you're scared about these things. My uncle, which I, when I heard mostly about him, I remember that they said he was a good cricketer. He used to play for Lucas Cricket Club as a opening batsman. Well, he passed off at about 90 when I saw it in the paper. So hold on, that is it. the man who was driving the train. He yeah. he survived the crash. Yes, yes, yes. yes and yes. then passed off later on at about ninety something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He died. He died. That's basically most of it that I know. That well, I know that the bodies were buried along the train line down over by the backside land there. Um, myself and my father was a butcher. So sometimes when we used to butcher the when he's going to butcher pigs or so, and I would journey with him. I'm going to walk across the place where these people were buried. I'd be prayed, but because my father was there, I, you know, I went along with him. 
how you know when you reach the, the spot and you hear any stories about the spot? Yes, well, you see the graves here, my father showed me because he knew it. So he said, this is where these people, most of some of these people, was on the train crash, buried. So we, we see the grave and the little piece of stick with numbers on them. Not many persons with direct memories of that crash are still around. Some have passed on and others have migrated. However, the community still carries that memory and even the younger persons there know at least some information about that tragic accident. My guide on the day was Anil French. His family has roots in Kendall. Well, Mr. Light French was my grandfather, so he spoke the last time about it. Well, for the little way him tell me is that when him grew up, he used to go sell banana and thing on the train, you know, you know. I saw him used to make female come money. You know, so I go pick him two or three when the train come and he want banana and he want two or three and go sell it, you know. So, in the great Kendall crash, as we are speaking about at this present time, well, him say, the night, because it's like close to night it happened. So it's like in the night when they made the Buddha dum boom boom boof and everything turned chaos and by the time them go around and them see this scatter, people scatter, breadfruit scatter, everything mash up. Limb, hand, head. Well, you can't imagine from where me I say how it, how it was. We walked a short distance with O'Neill to see the railroad and the burial site of the crash victims. We walked through a churchyard and a burial ground that were on property donated to the community. So remember I told you about that earlier? Well, this was it. The land donated by the former plantation owner, Ernest Clark. The graveyard has tombs dating as far back as the 1800s and many of those buried in that graveyard had worked on the plantation. A few feet away was a train line along which locomotives traveled back in the day. We followed that train line to see if we could make it to the crash site. Most of the railway is now overgrown, but tracks run through allowing for at least pedestrian movement. So two markers are in place as a reminder of the crash. There is one at the actual site and there is another on the main road near the old train station. The one that is near the train station is a metal marker that is almost impossible to read and needs to be replaced. That might have faded, but not so the memories of the people. They have stories that have been passed down for generations. I remember I live right just at the time, live up the road, little nearer to the crash. Okay. And so when it, when it crashed me, this come across the, run across the, the, the bush there and catch me. Mm -hmm. And after that now, I could have, the members say when me around cross the bush are gone. They come in like like let me go up and come back down. Because what happened to me now, same as me around and I jump the grass, I've been telling and I jump over the grass. I go on. When we go up the year and I come down back I want to be dead to my stretch under my foot. I check that he made me and go talk me. So he come in like me go back. Come in and jump on him. Yeah. So the train crash now. The real, I'm at the first. I said them might crash, you know. But plenty of people don't have it that way because the train, maybe leave Mantigo Bay for 2 o'clock a day. Right. But the people, them, scatter. 
There have been conflicting stories as to whether the crash happened on August 31 or on September 1. And this is mainly because of the time of night that it happened. But what we do know is that there was an excursion from Kingston to Montego Bay that was hosted by the St. Anne's Roman Catholic Church. It was on the return leg that the accident unfolded. The return leg to Kingston was full of excitement and chatter and laughter. There was gambling and drinking and other activities taking place on board the train. Now, here's a train barreling toward the quiet town of Kendall and then the driver made a signal. Three shrill whistles. Something had gone terribly wrong. The train rattled as the passenger cars came loose from the engine and the coaches toppled into the gully at the side of the tracks, creating a pile of metal, wood, injured persons and dead bodies. Eight of the twelve wooden coaches were wrecked, with the dead and injured inside, underneath and on top, bodies and body parts strewn over a wide area. Some persons died on impact, many others died from being spiked by splinters from the wooden coaches and from various other injuries. The result was a terrible accident. As daylight broke on September 1, the carnage became clear. People came from neighboring communities to see what had taken place. Approximately 200 passengers had been killed and hundreds more had been injured. People rallied around to assist who they could while others looked to see if they recognized anyone among the dead or injured. It is said that others used the opportunity to steal money and jewelry. It was an awful sight to see and a difficult wreckage to clear. Many of the dead were later buried in a mass grave near the crash site. It, it crashed so bad so till them have to throw some of the people in the pond. Everybody couldn't bury. Because we people. So, it's a long story towards it. But the man, the men put up feet. The accident happened on the Sunday. So the Friday of that week was observed as a national day of mourning as world leaders sent messages of condolence and sympathy to the Jamaican people. So what really caused the accident? Some persons have attributed the crash to vandals pulling up the brake line, thinking that they were cutting the electricity on the train. This, they say, was because they wanted to rob persons on the train. I think they, 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 they mess with the brake line. So when the train almost reached near to the station to stop, that is where... And that is the station right that across it, yeah. here down the road? Yeah, and it, okay. and it happened right there. And it happened right across yeah, here? Yeah, so I have to hold the brake from up there, so no brake. Okay. So, and then it, it, it derailed. Jump off of the line. After the crash, an official inquiry was launched, and the cause of the crash was said to be the closure of an angled wheel brake cock. It was suggested that the brakes had been tampered with. The inquiry found many deficiencies and asserted that the trains had been kept in poor condition. So I did a little bit more research and the report indicated that the acting general manager at the time had essentially gotten some false brake certificates 
And maybe if he had not done this, then the accident could have been avoided because the trains could have been properly serviced. Despite what the inquiry found out, there was also an indication that overcrowding of the coaches played a real significant role in the extent of the carnage. Additional coaches had been added to accommodate the large number of passengers because the church had sold a lot of tickets for that excursion. So essentially, there were too many people aboard the train. After the Kendall disaster, all wooden coaches were replaced with sturdier metal ones, but public confidence in rail transport still declined. You know what I found interesting though? That most of the persons I spoke with who didn't want to be recorded told me that one of the main issues they had in the community was a lack of employment. And you might be wondering how I've jumped from what happened with the train to this situation. The decline of the rail industry means that there would be less opportunities for that community. And with less opportunities, it means that people have to find different ways of earning and so they would leave the community. That hasn't changed much over the years and so the decline has continued. So they say that Kendall has a lot of history to highlight, especially around this particular crash because they have had a number of visitors from time to time. And this is something that we can use as a country to build community tourism for that particular area. They, however, say that the powers that be don't seem to be interested in investing in that kind of idea. So many of them have expressed that they would prefer to remain in Kendall, but because the ability to earn is limited, they opt to leave. All in all, I found that Kendall has great potential and development can actually take place. And I mean the kind of development that can limit migration and create positive opportunities for the community. So here's a final analysis. The Kendall train crash has been a significant part of Jamaica's history and that should not be forgotten. There are also other treasures within that small community and I think that both the potential of the community's resources and history as well as the people should be developed. And as some residents told me, the way the Kendall crash is remembered can be a great starting point for that development. And that's it for Kendall Connect. My name is Sandre. You are listening to Kendall Connect, part of the Voices of Jamaica podcast series made possible by the Alpha School of Music with support from the Public Affairs Office at the U.S. Embassy in Kingston. For more information about the Voices of Jamaica and the stories they tell, please visit the Alpha School of Music website, alphamusicja.com, and click on the Voices of Jamaica link.